What's up, bud? What's up, human soundboard? <laughs> you like that guy from Police Academy? I'm exactly like him. Michael Winslow, Jeffrey Vitkin, Tomato. Knowing, knowing his name. Wow. I know his name, but I can't do an impression of a single one of his sounds. That's how much of an instrument that guy is. Do you think that they faked it at all? Like, that they... <laughs> You know what I mean? They, they use like real sound effects, and then he was just over there like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like. So meet the soccer's audience. Jeff has definitely found some red pill connections in London, and now everything's a conspiracy with this guy. <laughs> Do we think Michael Winslow is a fake? I mean, that would be pretty funny if his, if he was only famous for making sounds, and it turns out he couldn't actually make any of them. That would be pretty funny. I mean, as we have discussed before, it's a real. It's a real stretch to think that you're going to get cast in movies based on your ability to make sounds with your mouth. He, and also, if you ever saw, I don't know if you ever saw any of the videos of him like on Carson or like other like late night, maybe it was even Letterman. Like, it, it, no, I'm not a super fan like you. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Winslow head. <laughs> Winner. Um, oh, well, we should call them winners. That's great. That's much better. <laughs> Good. You should do this professionally. Oh. Um, but like just seeing the shapes that his mouth would make and like I feel like it was impressive if you turned the volume off mm. <laughs> to just see this person contort themselves. That's pretty I wonder like yeah, I wonder what his story is. Do you think he was like into beatboxing or was he like pre beatboxing even? I think he was just a strange police officer academy uh submission and it turned into like a movie, like art parodies life kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, I think he was cop first. Oh, you think you think he was not submitting to the movie Police Academy? You think he was submitting to a real police academy? No, they were. They, I think he made it, and they were like, "We need, we need real cops for Police Academy. Let's do uh, alongside actor Steve Gutenberg. We'll just get the hardest, most grizzled veteran police officers. And and but you know what? If any of them have any sort of personality or can make yeah. sounds." We'll, that will take that into consideration. And Michael Winslow wowed them on the They're first like, day. This, this guy's been undercover for three years as a helicopter. Deep cover. <laughs> <laughs> no one could tell that he wasn't <laughs> that, uh, a weed whacker. <laughs> He's so serious. He method acts. He is married to another weed whacker. Uh, yeah. Like they have a Don't kid. Talk to him right now. He's a laser gun. <laughs> if he does talk to you, fall on the floor and die. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like he he's trying to like for the first time, like, consummate the marriage with, like, his tractor, with his John Deere tractor. <laughs> what do you think he sounds like when he comes? Never mind, don't answer that. <laughs> or do. I, don't, I don't know if I should do an impression of anyone uh, making that particular sound. But, Jeff, uh, yes. do you, have you seen uh, the movie uh, White House Has Fallen? Or, sorry, Olympus. Olympus Has Fallen. Um, maybe. Or, or have you seen? Uh, it's it's like Gerard Butler is like a Secret Service guy, and somebody's actually like hijacked the White House, or they've hijacked Downing Street, or they've hijacked 
I'm going to crash this White House into the Twin Towers. <laughs> if this White House goes any less than 50 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. And you've, uh, and you've just got Joe Biden trying to, like, push the White House? Um, <laughs> no. So so the, the latest. Oh, so Olympus has fallen. Uh, White House has fallen. Now Los Angeles is underwater is the latest. <laughs> the latest in the Gerard Butler trilogy. Um, so... so Right now, Jeff, I don't know if, if, if it's reached you in the UK, but have you heard about climate change? Um, I don't think it applies to us here. We, we did a Brexit. Um... <laughs> well, I mean, for if honestly, if I'm British, I'm praying for climate change. I'm like, let's roll the dice again. Let's see which one we're going to get. Dude, to be honest, there is a little bit like we're, we're north enough that like some of the good stuff happens. Like apparently like the... The champagne, like the same soil from Champagne, France, it goes like geo geologically goes all the way through up through like southern England. And now that climate change is happening, like they're just making like incredible sparkling wine here that no one knows about yet. And like, I don't know, there is definitely some there are definitely some people here that are like fine with it. <laughs> if you are like a, a prospector or a gambler uh, of funds are you consulting mm. with some like climate scientists to be like, so where, what part of the country will sink into the ocean? And then just going a few miles inland of that and buying cheap property now that turns into beachfront property in 50 years. I do wonder, like my, uh, my grandparents, we sold their house after they died. And, but they had the house that was like on the other side of the street from waterfront. And I'm like, man, we were sitting on a gold mine there. Just give it a few weeks, really, at this rate. And I don't know. That stuff really is scary. My parents live the whole eastern shore of Maryland, where my parents live now. Like, all of it is, like, three inches above sea level. So, like, Minor I don't change. know. I mean, they, they, I guess they're in a similar position, too, where they're, like, they're across the street from the water. And I don't know. I think it, I think it could. I think this climate change stuff might be real. It might uh isn't london also at risk just by virtue of being like a port city i get i don't know i mean the thames it's like a real it's a big river but also i feel like london probably isn't at too bad of risk although where was it there's another city that's like really flooded now oh blanking but Brighton? like i don't know i do i think there's a lot of like like if you've ever been to venice in italy i think there's gonna be a lot of that in the future of like walking like canals well, maybe not that. Like, maybe probably not like the picturesque, cool stuff about Venice. But I just mean like, like Venice floods all the time, and like they have like these special tables they put out, and you just walk from like cafe table to cafe table when it's really flooding there, and like that could be like Miami next year. Miami floods like crazy all the time. That's New York in like three years. Oh yeah, New York. Like, what? What are they? They should be thinking about it now, not when people are screaming and having to evacuate cities. Like. Building up walls, figuring out ways to quickly drain water. A third thing. Yeah. The rest. Yeah. That's why they should be thinking about it, not us. But Yeah, we're podcasters. We are not obligated to think. We can. We're welcome to. We're more but it's like not thought in our... leaders than thought havers. You we're know? thought sayers. They don't have to be our thoughts. <laughs> we tell people what they should think about. So do you think if, if London's at risk from climate change... Do you think that I shouldn't bother coming back one more time for one more rodeo? I think you can sneak at least one more London trip in, bud. And I think 
There you have. Okay, just waiting for the thing to change. Boom. <laughs> Is London um, calling instead of sinking? For those who are not watching the little ticker that goes across the screen that only Skylar and I see, and the one guy on Twitch who hasn't logged in yet. Um, <laughs> yes, we're having Meet the Sockers. We'll be live in London again. We didn't actually do a podcast in person last time, did we? Didn't we try, but it wasn't working? The first time we did that. Or maybe, yeah, maybe it wasn't working. I don't know. I think I definitely will bring my proper microphone this time. Like the this one or the snowball yeah. one? Well, right, yeah. here's a here's a question, Jeff. Yeah. We always you and I always try to record the podcast in your living room. What if we went somewhere to record the podcast? Like whether it's uh, on one hand like a small studio we could rent for 2 hours or on the other hand we find whatever your local uh, your local pub is and ask in advance, would you mind if we recorded live here and got like pub ambiance, maybe some public cool. embarrassment? Yeah. <laughs> some what the fuck are you doings from local patrons? Honestly, the looks from because like if we're in like the pub at like midday when there's just like three Andy caps in there <laughs> and then it's like two American guys with headphones on screaming about soccer. <laughs> we, we're, we're doing like, a podcast, but we could have them just sit down and we could literally just intercept fucking randos and be like, who do you support? Oh, Arsenal. Oh, another one. Yeah. Um, but then like, just talk to them about them, like supporting them since like Thatcher or like, since like the bombing of London. I, yeah. I feel like that could be interesting. We would have to think about the tech, right? Like, do you have to do a slightly different setup to do, like, a live podcast to what we do, which is a bad not-live podcast? I mean, a lot of pubs have Wi-Fi, but generally, like, to a shocking extent, the internet in the UK is terrible. So I bet you that it would be a little laggy. But I don't know. Well, maybe we could just record it. The next time you're at, was it the Duke or whatever it's called? Like, yeah, just ask. Just be like, hey, could we could we do this too? Do you have Wi-Fi? And like, we'll, we'll, we'll buy some shit. We're not just going to waste their time. Yeah, I know. I'll definitely have a beer. I think meet the soccers colon the pub episodes or the pub episodes. I feel like that could be like, we, that, what if we just did it on our phone and put it out as like Patreon content? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in. All right. So consider this, Meet the Soccer's fans. You might get some even lower quality, higher concept episodes in the near future. I do feel like we could randomly strike gold. Like doing it live would be tough because I'm sure we'd talk to a bunch of people who are just like weirdos and not fun. But some of like the people that you would meet, I'm sure would be incredible. Let's look up, then we're just doing our planning live during the podcast episode right now, but let's look up, like, what's a good microphone attachment for iPhones? Like, just something that we can just have light and just bring with us, and then, who knows, sometimes we might meet someone might want to bust it out. I'm going to yeah. drop it on the table. <laughs> Don't talk about our penises. Speaking of dropping your dick on the table, Jeff, uh, <laughs> yesterday was Sunday, and you know what? Uh, my day started early, but after uh, I watched United play, I got into... Uh, an, actually, no, sorry. I missed the second half. I had to watch it on... Or sorry, not watch it. I had to listen to it on my phone while I was driving because oh, yeah. I was driving 36 miles to Thousand Oaks, California to watch Liverpool versus Arsenal in a 
British pub in Thousand Oaks. <laughs> because where I is have a, Thousand Oaks? It's like northeast of where I live by like thirty six miles. So okay. like wow. it, yeah, that's pretty it, far. Yeah, it was it was a haul, but like it was it was really early. I was I think I was on the road at like seven in the morning to to get there. We're the first people there. And then they don't open the bar for another half a fucking hour. So we're just standing there oh, in the parking no. lot. It wait, because that would have been 7 a.m.? I, w- I got there at 8, and then we had to wait for until okay. 8.30. But then we were we were first in. Uh, and, I, and I want you to t- take us through the match. But I want to let you know, I watched your damn match. Uh, mostly because I was a little bit just wanting to see Liverpool tears. I mean, how confident were you in Liverpool tears? Because I, I wasn't like, I don't know. I, I did I definitely did not think it was going to go the way that it did. I'll just say that. I was 50. Like, I didn't need to be confident for that to be the reason I was telling myself I was going. I was like, I'm going so that should Arsenal nick a 1-0 or, or even like a demoralizing draw, like whatever it is, as long as Liverpool fans feel bad about it, I'm sexually turned on by the idea of whatever it is. I rem- it's funny. I remember all of the times that we played Liverpool this season. We played them twice already because we played them in the cup as well. Um, and we went out in the cup against them. But apparently the combined XG for those three games is like Arsenal six and a half, Liverpool two. And that's really not my sort of emotional recollection of those first two matches. I remember them being dogfights. But, and then this one, you know, we'll get into it. But this one, like, we were kind of dominant. Um, and I don't know. I just, I wouldn't have expected us to be that far ahead of them in the underlying statistics. What, like, t- do you remember? I, I was drinking pretty early yesterday so if you remember at all the <laughs> order do. of operation i feel like it was one nil arsenal one one then two one then three one that's exactly right uh yes at, nailed at it. one <laughs> at one nil i mean we were legitimately that whole first half i think there's a, a level of like the way that a keeper sometimes just has to guess left or right and it's not that they're right or wrong they just have to pick one i think sometimes the managers have to do that with their tactics where you don't know how the other team is going to be set up. And so you have to take a guess. And I think that little guessing game, Mikel Arteta won handily in the first half, where we just seem to be just so much better positionally set up than them, where it felt like we were dominating the game the entire time. But in sort of classic Arsenal this year fashion, we managed to give away one of the dumbest goals I've ever seen. I mean, we had, there was so much arsenal in this where Kai Havertz has a one-on-one and can't finish it, but then somehow it falls to Saka. He puts it away. That's the first goal. Then the second goal of the game is it really wasn't even a chance, but somehow we like handballed it into our own net. Um, and, I mean, it was, like, one of those things where I was, like, people, like, they were trying to clear it off the line, but it was, like, doesn't even really matter. It's a penalty either way. Um, well, could it have been a yellow and a penalty if they called it for the handball? I guess, I guess so you're right. It could have I been worse. Could, yeah, maybe that was a strategic own goal. But, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, I think uh, that was pretty tough. And then, so we finished the first half, and it was 1-1, but Liverpool literally didn't have a shot on goal at that point. The only shot on our goal was from our own defender's hand. Um, And so we go in 1-1, and now it's like, when they came back out, the second half I felt like was much more evenly matched. Although still, I still kind of felt like it was it was less nail bitey than I thought it would be. I thought that we would have, it would be a much harder time. And even in the second half, we were like kind of in charge, which I really wasn't expecting going into this game. Well, part of it is the, we, you, you and oh, let's do in the weird zoom thing with my hands. Uh, part of it, we talked about this when we were talking about the African cup of nations, like what impact was AFCON and the Asian cup? I can't remember what the heck that's called. Uh, yeah. But, like, what impact was that going to have? And Salah both being gone and being injured means he was not available for this match. He would have been their main attacking uh, outlet for sure. And I think just his presence alone... He was alone, in the previous games, yeah. Just his presence alone could have changed this to a draw or who knows. Like, maybe he puts Liverpool on his back. Uh, and then also they were missing, I think, Sabozalai in the central yes. center of midfield. So, like... People talk those a lot are, about that. Those are two big losses... Uh, for them, but the funniest part was uh, Virgil Van Dyke essentially like handing Arsenal like the the final goal of the match that like sealed it by like just so overzealously like bungling into his own goalie and then like I can't remember who scored it but like the it was a wide yeah, open that was, pass into the goal which was, that was Martinelli. Oh. I, I still I've watched that I've watched that highlight several times. I I can't decide who's more at fault, whether it's Van Dyke or Becker. But the keeper there, he just does this weird thing that like you I've never seen a professional athlete doing a game where he's just like excited and jumps but isn't anywhere near the place that he's supposed to be. It was very strange. So that's how we went up, which is even that is kind of like I don't know, it's very emblematic of this season where we had we had so many other like well-crafted chances that you know people missed that they should have put away. So then we actually get the go-ahead goal when they just like you know get their thumbs stuck in each other's butt. But would you say like Arsenal is missing uh, a striker in Gabriel Jesus? Correct. Correct. Were there any other big uh, missing players? Because in my mind. Like Liverpool lost by not not being by virtue of not being full strength. I I feel like they're much scarier mm. when they have everybody. Yeah, um, but I'm not I'm not I, taking I anything answer. away from your victory. Sure. It's it was like uh, you guys showed up on the day and and like that's all you can ask for. But like they just didn't look like the Liverpool the past few weeks, like the emotional post Klopp uh, announcement Liverpool, where they're just yeah. gonna win every match for their their daddy. Yeah. Um, Party is still out. He was supposed to be back. And then yeah. Zinchenko started the game and left at halftime with a knock. Um, and that one, it's not like Zinchenko is our best player per se, but it does change the way we set up because we can't have an inverted fullback anymore. Um, so. So I'm adding a, a, a topic really quickly. <laughs> uh, I don't okay. know if you can guess what it's going to be, but well, I'm we wondering go. if you if you wanted to talk about uh, intern. 
Uh, I can't even see it. There's so many talk. Anyway, I was gonna say, is it? About oh, it's on the it's on the screen. It's on. No, it's on. It's uh. Oh, Zinchenko and <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, that was a funny joke from Arteta. <laughs> yeah. So Jeff, please. Uh, sorry, I just mumbled over the last four things you said, but please, please recap it from your perspective. What the news item was and how you and I immediately had to rush off and talk about it on text. <laughs> Well, apparently there is some sort of, which I don't even really remember this all that well. It's not as nearly as memorable as what came afterwards, but apparently there was some sort of like scuffle between Ben White and Zinchenko, or not even a scuffle, but like they were sort of in each other's face. Somebody made a mistake during a game, whatever. These things that happen all the time. but Tempers, when, tempers flare. When they happen to, honestly, maybe it's my bias from doing this podcast, but I feel like these are things that happen all the time, but when they happen to Arsenal or United, they become front page tabloid news everywhere in the UK. And it sort of ripples out to the whole world that way. But it was like a nothing story, but then they asked Arteta about it. And his response is like, Oh no, they're doing much better now. They've been living in the same home and swapping wives, which is sharing, sharing, sharing wives. Sharing is what wives. he said. Which, Which I think that's more or less dirty. Wife Swap is at least a PG television show. But if if they were, to be blunt, if they were swinging and sleeping with each other's wives, one, I'm not sure Arteta would know. Two, if he knew, I'm <laughs> not sure. He, film it, Skyler. But, but, but I don't think he would bring it up to avoid causing problems for his players. I think he honestly <laughs> just meant they're all like kind of living in one like larger space together kind of like as a unit as like a like someone's doing the laundry <laughs> like like and maybe that's something that they've chosen to do i can't imagine it's actually like oh we just gang bang as a group that's, here that's what i thought at first too but <laughs> then the more i've thought about this I think that he was actually making the opposite joke of, no, they're such good friends that they bang each other's wives. Shut up. Next question. But, like, would he not... It, then is that a huge gaffe from him in that, like, thinking that that was going to not turn into 47,000 tabloid articles? I did, like... I, I don't know. I mean, he, this is a guy who's lived in the UK for longer than I have or probably ever will. But there was a moment where I'm like, is that does that joke land better in Spanish? Like, is that or is that like a saying or something? Like, yeah, in Spanish, there's there's a saying: "fucking each other's wives." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. mi esposa es su esposa. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I don't know about that. But like, it does kind of inspire maybe like uh, a parody TV show about like this this group of footballers and their wags and, and how <laughs> everything's real free love and everyone's Dude, attractive and wealthy. Crazy. What if there was a team that just like worked its way up the ranks and it was, the whole thing was just like a crazy cult. Like everyone in you know, like, they're all just like automatons. There's some weird, like maybe that's what Klopp is going off to do after this season. <laughs> Start this cult. It'd be amazing. What if it was just like love Island FC? Like, that's all you need, right? Didn't they already yeah. have, was it Vardy? Or they had someone on one of the proper, like, dating sex shows. I thought it was him. They had someone that, know. like, was actually... Honest, I'm a little behind on the dating sex shows. I may be conflating it with Ted Lasso, where Jamie Tart was on Love Island for one of the years. <laughs> I think that's right, actually. <laughs> but they that should was... have Vardy on. Vardy would, I mean, he would do that, I think. Like, he would go and, like, a, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, or whatever. 
it would be called chat shit and get banged. And like the whole point would be you talk to people and then you sleep with them. <laughs> That's his podcast. That'd be amazing. If he had like a porn podcast. <laughs> hmm. Um uh, yeah. but and, and what else about the match? I mean, I, I can One, tell you about how right. good the breakfast was that I had there. Yeah. Oh. Um well, all right. One more thing about the match, and I kind of just want your unbiased, well, not that you're unbiased, but your different bias than mine opinion. Do, when you watch Arsenal players and coaches celebrating like big goals or big wins or something like that, does it strike you as out of place or very different than other teams? I actually don't notice the celebrations because after someone scored, I'm normally turning to mock someone else. Hmm. Or, or to be like, oh, I wasn't looking. What happened? Like, I was like, my head was in Reddit or, or something. But no, I can't say I've noticed the celebrations. What I have noticed is that Arteta is the only manager that doesn't have to stay in the fucking technical area during the match. He can go on the field if he wants to. He can go, oh, yeah? he can go to the other technical area. Yeah, the rules don't really apply to him, and he doesn't get a yellow or a red for he's it. Been, he's been dinged for it before, actually. Um, like, kind of a bunch of times, but then... He just like won't quit doing it, and I think it's like, I yeah, it's a I guess it's a game of chicken. It's like referees are always doing that, where it's like they don't want to have to give out a lot of cards, but then also they don't want to have a lot of like dangerous play going on. So like sometimes a strategic one early will get everybody to like chill out, but whatever they're doing with him has not worked because he definitely, I mean, he's even had like there's moments where he gets like a sort of second assist to like borrow a term from hockey where like he's run down the sideline, grabbed the ball, teed it up for someone else to throw in. And then that becomes, you know what I mean? Like a pass or two later, it's a goal, but it's like that transition opportunity wouldn't have been there if, you know, defensive midfielder Mikel Arteta wasn't on the ball. Do you think that it's just, it's just like his, uh, his past where like, he's still almost like a dog that sees someone hold the ball in their hand. Like he just wants to run on the pitch and like deal with it. Yeah, I really, I really wonder, like, what would his level be now? He's only what, forty five years away from like playing. Four years away. Four years Isn't away. he his mid forties? I don't think he. He might. He might be like early forties. I think. But I. I mean, before he went to City, he was still playing at Arsenal. Like he's forty one. That's pretty young for where he's yeah. at. And like, and he's also like, he's a, I feel like he's kind of a young 41. Like he seems to take care of himself. You know what I mean? Like he's not, there are other 41 year olds. Like Rooney's probably 41, right? But like, he looks rough. Yeah. Let's not pick on Rooney. This isn't just about finding an uglier person to punt. Like let's, let's keep the focus (laughs) on Arteta and Zinchenko and White's wives and like, keep it football, you know, (laughs) keep it football related. Arteta is kind of like a little bit of a cringy wife guy. Like he he has this one like very labored metaphor he uses all the time and where like he's like, you know, like when I met my wife, like I'm not going to do the accent actually. <laughs> he's like when I met my wife, like the first night, like she didn't want to talk to me, so then, you know, I had to go talk to her friends. Then I had to try to buy her a drink. Then I go over here and I go over there and he's like that's his metaphor for like if you try something in a game, don't stop trying things. Which is like, is that even something you needed to coach someone? Like, I feel like you just wanted to tell this story about how hard it was to bang your wife. If your impression is accurate, the answer to all of his problems is cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
What if that, man, that would be a huge scandal. What if these celebrations are just coke-fueled? Like, what if you see him on the sideline just grinding his teeth in the next match? Turns out the sidelines are cocaine. <laughs> I've seen, do you see those videos of Maradona? When he no, was what? Like, it was, like, in the last, like, few years of his life, and he was coaching in Mexico. And, like, weirdly sort of having a renaissance, because he was, like, doing a good job coaching, but, like, he hadn't solved any of his personal demons whatsoever and like there would be there would be like assistant coaches just like they would like see the camera and they would see maradona getting out his coke and then they would like strategically like block like shield him from the camera view so that he could like blast lines like not even like in the locker room or in his office or something like on the sideline during games what is well i mean this is the 80s no, this is like three years ago. Oh fuck! Well, I was gonna, I was gonna make the argument that in the '80s maybe they were helping like cover up for his behavior because it wasn't as big of a deal back then. Like, like yeah. now we know how dangerous it is, and seeing yeah. a lot of people ruin their lives on it, like Maradona, uh, yes. <laughs> for one. No, I didn't. I didn't know that that was the case right up until his death. No wonder he died. Like. He also, there was, he had a really sloppy night at the World Cup that was kind of fucked up. It was like, at the time, I thought it was really funny. Did this he was fall down? He was kind of, he was like sitting in like the front row of like the club level. This is not, not the last World Cup, but the World Cup before. So this is when I was living in Hong Kong. I this is Russia? Like, yeah, I guess so. And he, like, he's there and like, he keeps like grabbing this like glass wall that's in front of him and he's like yelling and he's getting like sloppy and stuff. And then um, like there's more and more white powder residue where he keeps putting his hands <laughs> over the course of the night. I'm like, dude, like you have so much cocaine that I can see it no. from across the world on your Jeff, finger. That's not fair. He could have uh, been doing the LeBron hand chalk thing. He could have been True. doing that. He could have been. He might have been pool. baking sourdough, where you kind of have to like powder your hands to. Could have been baking sourdough. Could have been making pasta with cocaine. Mm. He could have been. <laughs> he could have been applying some some powder to his actual face for his complexion. He's an older man. Oh, fun he stuff. could have Thanos could have snapped his finger, and Maradona could have just been slowly evaporating into dust. Oh man, can I make a slight segue, and then we can talk about uh, your favorite team? Ooh, slight, the mighty ducks. Not a segue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I sort of, kind of, accidentally went to a rave over the weekend, but it was in like a really so. Like I thought I was buying tickets to a concert, and then uh, the more I looked into it, I'm like, oh, this concert doesn't really get going till like 1 a.m. and it closes at 4 a.m. and I'm like, oh, oh, this is a rave because it was like one of one of the weird things that no one knows about me is that I like dubstep and I don't really like, there's not that much. There is not an interest that really anyone shares with me, but I'm like in London and I was like, I should, this is like a thing that I should like check off on my London list. And so like my favorite dubstep DJ was playing, but he was in this like very new venue. And <laughs> every time I would go into the bathroom, the bathrooms were like strangely nice for a club. Like, and every single person that walked in the bathroom had the same reaction of like, ah, oh, fuck, I feel kind of bad doing coke in here. <laughs> like, everyone said that as they came in. It was, it was fun. What if that's why the venue was chosen? It was like, we need a nice bathroom. It's where everyone's going to be hanging out. It, honestly, it, I feel like it was like built for that on purpose because like 
the stalls in this place, like I have less privacy in my own home than you have in this stall. It was like a cocaine fortress. But uh, how are you not writing the pilot for Cocaine Fortress right now? <laughs> you heard of Cocaine Bear? It's an <laughs> army. <laughs> what or what if it's a fortress that gets addicted to cocaine? <laughs> Please, man, one more war. <laughs> Listen, fortress. Let's just anthropomorphic like set of walls. Yeah. It's just like one of those Fort McHenry's with like the five points just walking around. And like there's like a big door entryway that's kind of like the mouth. Yeah, that's what it talks with. So you have and to just bring the cocaine op- in? Because because it opens up its mouth to get the cocaine in, that's where its weakness is, and that's where Napoleon invades. <laughs> Napoleon? Did you see have you seen Napoleon the movie yet? I haven't. No. No. One of the first scenes in that is him like storming a fort and it's pretty badass. It's one of those movies where it already got spoiled for me a long time ago in high school. Yeah. Although I did like I feel like every time I hear about Napoleon, there's like more stuff I didn't know. Like the video like the as you watch it, or you're definitely like like I didn't know. Apparently he like really fucked up one of his campaigns just because he wanted to come home and like talk to like his wife was cheating on him and it was in all the paris newspapers and he just like wanted to come home and like beat her up this sounds like if you just take just that snippet it sounds like a 90s chief creative officer's like biopic (laughs) fucked up a campaign just wanted to go home yell at his wife (laughs) cheating on her yeah um is it okay if I want to bring us back to this anthropomorphic fortress yes. for a minute? Yes, like, yes. let's imagine this fortress is addicted to cocaine, and, like, people can't bring <laughs> cocaine inside of its perimeter fast uh, enough. Like, 40, and, and, 40, come here, 40. You can't, you can't keep doing so much cocaine, 40. <laughs> just imagine, like, it runs out of coke or out of funding. Like, what is this fortress willing to do to get more cocaine? Oh, wow. You can say, maybe start a war with Colombia. Uh, maybe just a hand job. And forty, the <laughs> fortress is populated with a bunch of real human beings, right? So he could like betray thousands of lives, theoretically. Wow, this is dark, and it's yeah. becoming more Adult Swim by the moment. We like the people inside of it. They're like his like good gut bacteria. They're like his probiotics. You know, like all the little soldiers. Is this the show we're gonna write? Uh, uh, which is like about cocaine fortress. I feel like we've talked hmm. about it enough. We've I got thought it was rough Rick skeleton. And, Rick and Forty, but yeah, <laughs> Coke, Coke and Forty. Yeah, Coke and Forty. Oh, and then hey, listen, listen here, Forty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. All right. So, guess what happened to me before your match yesterday, Jeff? A Pyrrhic victory. No, a regular victory. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, We beat West Ham United 3-0, which is great because only a few weeks ago, they smacked us around. They're a weird team this year. We play them next, and I'm not looking forward to it because this is like the time of the year where we always drop a crucial three points against them. Both West Ham and Wolves, the two matches uh, from the last week for us, have both like taken some pretty big names down uh, this season. So it's just you know, one of those topsy turvy Lestery Lestery yeah. years. Uh, we've already but, did we have a draw or a loss against them? We we've already had a bad result against West Ham once this year. Did they win? I feel like I, I remember. Wanted, I think a win. they won. Yeah. And and I feel like it was kind of like a what the fuck, keep an eye on them kind of thing. But then they 
Smoked us. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so Hoyland scores right away. Uh, dude has scored in like four or five Premier League matches in a row. Uh, so maybe that Baron spell from earlier in the year where no part of the team was functional and nobody, I mean, still nobody's passing to him, but now he's getting like two passes a game and he's scoring off of a chance from one of them. So like, I think he's a good little young striker. Like, I feel like he's, he's done enough to, to, to look like he's not the problem. Yeah. And so he scored once, and then uh, Garnacho scored twice. Once on a deflection, and another on just sort of like a go fuck you, or go fuck you. <laughs> another an- <laughs> Go fuck you, buddy. <laughs> it was like a go fuck yourself kind of like, he, he's in full confidence, <laughs> confidence right now. Like for someone who's yeah. just 20, 19, I think he's 19, like he, he, he feels like he should be scoring on every chance, which is like a good, a good uh, mentality to have for, for this team, which is you know, normally mentally very frail. So I was really pleased with that match. The one thing I wasn't really pleased about was Lissandro Martinez has just come back. He's, he's, he, we're seeing quick passing out of the back to the midfield. Like that's why we're, we're, we've scored three and four goals in the last week, which is what, what is it? Three weeks worth of goals for us earlier in the year. (laughs) (laughs) Easy. So, so like seven goals in two matches. And if you're counting that, shitty FA Cup match that we made interesting. We've scored uh, 11 <laughs> goals in three matches. So, like, some parts of United are starting to click. Uh, and and this match, we look, it looked like kind of like a complete performance, maybe the first of the year. Mm. But Lissandro Martinez gets, like, hacked down by, I can't remember which, uh, which West Ham player, but whoever he is, he's a douche. Yeah, so uh, Martinez now... So... The good news that we found out today, it's not a third straight metatarsal fracture. Oh, really? Because it sounded like it was, I hadn't heard the good news yet. I had heard like it might be the season for him. Yeah, well, at first it was, you got to worry about the fact that he's broken the same bone in his foot twice in a row, had surgery, come back, and and been injured uh, last season and then beginning of this season. And so... It's. I think it's like a, a strain. There will. He does not have to have surgery. It's just wow. going to be like eight or so. I think they said six to eight weeks out. But hmm. fuck, like he is our. He's probably our most important player. Like he really yeah, is. And so missing missing him for what amounts to four fifths of the season. That's tough. You you it and I like a little bit makes me want to give Ten Hag like a a bit of slack like. The only real time we've seen this team fully healthy and in full flow is like yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like end of last season too, but also notably end of last season he had Martinez, Casemiro, all these guys that are and he was injured. Healthy. He yeah. got hurt before the season ended. He got he got hurt and then tried to come back and it just wasn't yeah happening for him. And then tried to come back again beginning of the season and had to have surgery again. So like. He is he's like so talented from like a center back playing the ball possessing the ball perspective. He's our our best and I think he's one of the best that I have seen in recent memory. And so for him to be gone, not even just gone, but like missing core years of development, missing yeah, the beginning of his peak, like it sucks. Like I hope he I hope when he comes back from this he can stay healthy, but like it's kind of like a pointless ambition to have uh, at this point because he just keeps getting hurt, and it and it breaks my heart. Mm. 
I have nothing more to say. I do like <laughs> I don't know like if there's like a weird emotional carryover, but I mean, if you remember a couple years ago when he, you know, got transferred into United, it it was kind of between United and Arsenal for him, and I it, re- it was close enough that I sort of thought he was going to be an Arsenal player, and I think on some level I dislike him not as much because of that. Even though I guess I should dislike him more. You but started like picturing yourself married with two kids, white picket fence, and now that's in your brain somewhere. Him, him and I sharing wives <laughs> as friends do. <laughs> Most Arsenal thing you've said today. Most Arsenal yeah. thing you've said. <laughs> yeah, typical. Wait, well, I think when we texted each other, didn't I call that inverted wives instead of inverted wingers? <laughs> or inverted pullbacks? Oh, yeah. Um, wingers, wingers and swingers. Yeah, uh, some zingers. Wingers, swingers, and zingers. Jeff, will you uh, give us just a little bit more before you uh, beat Liverpool? Didn't did you not play another match like a couple days ago? Maybe it was last weekend. We did. No, it was a weird midweek match because I guess all the cup games had like pushed things around on the weekend. So on the Tuesday, uh, we had a nice little win over Forest. And I'm trying, man. What do I remember about that? Did Matt Turner play? Yeah, or man, I really don't remember much about that game, do I? I well, because I want to know. Oh, you know he... why? You know why? Because I didn't watch that game because I was in an improv class. Jeff? I couldn't. Wait, Jeff, are you telling me that you take comedy more seriously than football facts? I don't know. I probably don't take either of them seriously enough, if I'm honest. But... <laughs> the head writer of Cocaine Fortress should not be saying things like that. <laughs> hmm. Um, all right, but so you don't remember it, but you you got you edged out a win uh, in a in a one of it's one of those matches that you would like last season even have shockingly lost while kicking everyone else's ass. Yeah, no, we have um, we've dropped like a bunch of key games to them over the years. Uh, the first time that Arsenal were their stupid all white kits um, in the cup, we lost to Forest when they weren't even a Premier League team. And the second time, we've lost to Liverpool. So maybe let's stop fucking doing that and just let people stab each other. Is it because, like, they're they're like the Robin Hood club, and you're, like, London establishment. Like, in a way, they're going to keep robbing you forever and redistributing the wealth to the poor. They literally did redistribute their jerseys to us, and that's why Arsenal wear a red. Like, the very first Arsenal team had a couple players that had played for Forrest, and then they, like, there's, like, a letter in a museum somewhere that's like, hey, can we get the old kits? <laughs> that's kind of neat. neat. I like learning about moments of, like, football altruism, like when most of my team died in uh, the Munich plane crash. Uh, Real Madrid offered De Stefano, their star, like, their Cristiano Ronaldo to us for a year loan, and it's like... I don't I don't know if anyone would do that anymore. Honor is not that important. The business is important at this yeah. point. They would I, I feel that. like now someone would do it, but they would it would there would be like some weird ulterior motive where it would like it'd be like a Mr. Beast video or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mr. Beast is gonna save two hundred jobs if you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Dude, I watched a really weird one the other day with him where he was he, he had a guy and he was like, you get $10,000 for every day that you can live in this grocery store. And like, I saw grocery, that too. And like, but like the good, I mean, it's tough because it's like, how do you turn down another 10 grand just for like one more day of like hanging out there? But the guy had like 
like some like very young kids and like a wife and he was like he just got to the point where he was like he had to build like his own like weird shower and stuff and he was just like dirty and sad and then mr beast kept coming in like hey well, every day they would come in and he would have to pick ten thousand dollars worth of produce merchandise whatever that they're gonna effectively sell that yeah. like so they take it away from him it's no longer stuff he can eat right. or drink or use to sleep on or watch and like they eventually he had nothing left and he's just in a big empty grocery store and it's the most boring time i've ever seen anyone have other than me watching Manchester United most weekends this year. Yeah, I think, like, basically the ultimate moment in it, spoiler alert, is uh, he had, like, there was some, like, above-ground pool that you could buy in the grocery store, and he filled it up, and then he accidentally hit it with a forklift, and then that, it, like, flooded the whole thing, and he's like, all right, I'm fucking done. <laughs> <laughs> this has become, like, uh, a natural disaster, sort of, uh, what's it, FEMA? This is a FEMA situation now? Yeah. Is it that FEMA? What does FEMA stand yeah. for? Federal Emergency Management Agency. Ass. Probably not association. <laughs> um, all right. So Arsenal Edge Forest 2-1. Uh, similarly, last week, United survived Wolves. Uh, if you'll remember, Jeff, we watched them together when we were at the Fringe Fest on my phone. Mm -hmm. And we beat them 1-0. That was the Onana punches someone in the head and doesn't get in trouble for it oh, match. Yeah. But in that 1-0 win, they had thoroughly outplayed us. Uh, and that was when we kind of were figuring out, like, oh, stuff's not right. Like, this doesn't look like the club from last year. Mm. Um, this time, we went up 2-0 right away. Like, it was yeah. it was pow-pow. And then could have scored two, three more in the first half. Like, it could have been 5-0 at halftime. Which I don't think I could have said that at any other time this season. Like, it's the first time we've looked attacking wise competent yeah. uh but then you're at a point where that's a good thing where you're like oh we're actually getting chances yeah we're getting chances we're scoring goals even the ones we're not scoring it's like oh we weren't even generating those before but uh we give up a penalty and i can't i think it was casemiro like does one of those things where he's like poking his foot his boot in to try and like mm. poke the ball away for an attacker who's right inside the box and they don't really make contact. It's like he does he does this to his foot. Like, even in slow motion, it doesn't look like very much contact is made. And you see the whole body throw itself, mm. like, in a way that this doesn't logically make up, uh, make any yeah. sense. Like, if I did this to your foot for you to go like, ugh, like, it, it just, yeah. there's no... Make my shoulders fly ahead, yeah. There's no, there's no physics explanation for that. But he goes down... The ref immediately says penalty kick, and that's one of those things that, like, very rarely is VAR going to be like, no, you fucked it up. They're going to be like, uh, there is context, so I guess you can give it. Yeah. But it's yeah. it was bullshit. It was like a free penalty out of nothing that was not related to the really the run of play. Like, I think I sent you, I might have sent you a, a clip of it, or if I didn't, I can. I mean, it's old news now. But, like, that started the, like, uh-oh. And it yeah. became 2-1. And then, you know, like, just from recent memory, United crap themselves whenever any adversity shows up. But <laughs> then we scored a third goal. I want to say it was McTominay, maybe, even? Um, but, like, we scored a third goal. And it's like, oh, wow, we're up 3-1. This is it. And that then they come back. So good, though, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it does, because you're reasserting yourself. You're not just folding. There is a response. There's like a, yeah. no, we still have 
we still have something left to, to take from this match. And then they score like a, a ridiculous what the fuck was that goal to make it 3-2. And then they tied it in the beginning of stoppage time. It's like there's going to be like eight minutes of stoppage time. And in like the 90 plus three, they tie it. And it's just like, fuck, are we going to lose this now? And then <laughs> Kabi Mainu, who I'm trying to really pronounce his name right now that he's a super megastar. He, like, nutmegs somebody and then, like, basically does one of those, like, passing it into the corner with with full bend on it shots and, like, just scores, like, he didn't matter. Like, he had it all under control. He's 18 years old. He is, like, for that type of position, like, I can't think of any, like, people keep comparing him to, like, a slightly less physical Bellingham. Like, uh, and maybe Mm. some of these... Comparisons are like uh, very premature because you never know what a player is going to end up becoming until they've became it. But like right. he looks like that kind of player where he can kind of do everything well and always make the right decision. Which right. for our midfield of like random hotheads and Bruno Fernandez just like pew, 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 the shooting all over the place, like he's kind sure. of like the voice of reason in that midfield. Like I love him. He's great. Knock he's- on glass. <laughs> I mean, between him and Hoyland and Garnacho, there's like there's starting to be some really like bright spots for the future, which is kind of scary. Scary, or you could just think about it about how much easier your friendship is with me when we're, when I'm not on like death row for this club. <laughs> but it's like one of it, one of the other of us is basically always going to be unhappy the way we've rigged this. If I, if we just improve, Jeff, I am I'm happy. I'm happy with sevens. I don't need to date a ten. I'm happy with like a seven with an <laughs> awesome personality. There you um, go. All right. Uh, looks like you've got in the near future a visit to 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 Moisey. Gonna go see uh, ex Manchester United boss David the Moise. Uh the chosen one. I saw an interesting statistic. I don't know if you saw the same one the other day that he. Uh, he has set the record for most Premier League losses by an And everybody that, but everybody who says that is like, he, you know, he must suck. But then everyone's like, oh, but you've got to be in the Premier League for like, I don't know how many seasons to lo- even lose that many matches. So there's like a success in the failure. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah, to, to continue your metaphor of he must suck, it would be like a guy who goes to a gay bathhouse the most times without sucking. Cause it's like, you have to, you got to keep going <laughs> to get the record. Jeff. But, but he oh, hasn't, you know, God. it's a weird, that metaphor actually didn't work as well as I thought it would in my head. I guess it's you're like thinking about the like, gay bathhouse. Is Skylar put off by this joke? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not even mad at the offensiveness of it. I just wish that the metaphor in my head, I was like, Oh, I bet you once I say this, this metaphor is totally going to make sense. But then it didn't at all. It's that, yeah, it's that yeah. it, it didn't work. So you just talked about gay bathhouses for no reason. no reason. This is a lot like a topic close to all of our hearts. No. It's like when you're like jerking off a hundred people and then like, what was the metaphor? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just Who has the time. That mental image yeah. I don't know. Someone was jerking off 100 people. All right. Um, so, do you think you're gonna win that? Like, let's get at least get like a little bit of forecasting out of you. Well, I believe, I believe they are visiting us. Technically, Moyes is coming to our house. I looked it up. I or thought. Or are they not? 
Maybe I could be wrong. Right, is he at London Stadium? Because that's where it's at. Oh shit! Yeah, no. Okay, so we're visiting them. <laughs> and... Telling me I did it wrong on my I really, show. Yeah, I really, huh? I really thought last man. That's crazy. So that means we had that bad result against West Ham at home. That's pretty rough. I don't know. They're a good team, and they're especially good when you know they're at home. Even though I think that stadium kind of sucks. It was three days after Christmas. It was two nil. Yeah. I I don't know. I and that was at the Emirates. I've been trying I've been trying to wrap my head around it, but I could definitely see us losing this one. I almost thought you were gonna like go in and playing, you know, especially going... it's right after this big game against Liverpool. You think there's gonna be some emotional like could be a little But hangover. but your team doesn't look like they down tools or your team doesn't look like they they take things through like my team does that where like they'll get up for for maybe a liverpool match and grind out a nil nil but like we we do then go oh luton and then we lose to them <laughs> or or barely yeah. beat them like so i i don't see you guys as like mentally frail like, right now i i don't think that we've ever had like an issue with effort or like you know like that sort of down tools thing but i do think there are times where like the mental focus maybe I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just what you say when, like, weird, bad stuff happens. But, like, I mean, even in that Liverpool game, it's like, did we have to give up a goal that was not needed? You know what I mean? Like, did we have to, like, we've seen, we have an ability to slip on banana peels that I, maybe every team has that to a certain extent, but we seem to have a special ability there. But it, it it's funny how, like, all it takes is winning a few games in a row, and that narrative just disappears. It's like w- winning yeah. winning is a uh, a balm for all ails. Or even just getting ends. away with it. You know what I mean? Like, right. like it, there was a point in that game where Darwin Nunez, Darwin Nunez to the ball out of the stadium, and it was like, if he had scored that, I think it would have been 2-2, and then that's a very different-looking game. And I don't know. Sometimes it just helps to have the football gods on your side for a minute or two. Has he scored much this season, Darwin? That's a good question. I'm this is apparently Google. the first game that, like, it was like both him and uh, uh, Salah were not in the starting lineup. And I was sort of surprised by that because he went with, like, sort of a shrimp lineup up front. It was, uh, you know, like, all three of, like, their sort of, which actually I think they have a bunch of good forwards at Liverpool, but... It just it was a weird combination up there with Yota and the rest. Is of it them. is it Yota or Jota? I've heard every variant of that. Is he what's his nationality? Is he Portuguese? I think. Oh, then it probably is Jota. So just like uh, I, I said I said Jose Mourinho for like the longest time incorrectly. You can still say it. Uh, he's not going to stop you Uh, in the Premier League he's got 22 appearances 7 goals 7 assists that's actually pretty good it's it's like solid right like for a striker like you probably like he's probably got more assists than you would imagine from a striker but like 7 out of 22 if you extrapolate that to let's say like a 30 let's say he plays 33 games in the Premier League that means he's only getting three and a half more goals for the whole season. Yeah. So that would be like ten, a 10 and a half Premier League 10. goals. So, so like as a striker, that's solid. That's like if you're the striker from like Brentford and you get 10 goals, it's like, oh, okay. You, you made those 10 goals probably out of half chances. Right. 
But then it's also the 11 assists is like, okay, so he did create 22 Premier League goals in, or sorry, not 22. He created 14 Premier League goals total in so 22 far. matches. Yeah. So like, that's, that's, you see what I mean? It's like not bad. Like, like he's, he's not on yeah. any like shit list, like, you know, other players that we could not name from my club. He's but so like, tantalizing though, because it's like these, he's got like 14 goals. He should have scored in addition to these seven where you look at it and you're like, how did he not? But what if he's got like all of the instincts and none of the decision-making or like, like what, like, what is it? What is it that turns on the finishing feature? Like what is that's mental finishing is mental, right? Cause you've got all, you can score, you can shoot the ball hard from every different angle and, do all these acrobatic passes and you can dribble. You can do all those things. Finishing is all up here. That's how like 40 year old strikers can still finish. I don't know. I, I do think there, yeah, there's a physical part of it where it's like, to me, it seems like he's trying to constantly crush the ball as hard as he can. And like a lot of the great finishers will tell you that like, they're basically just passing it to a place that the goalie can't get it. You know, and it's like it if you look like I mean Messi's one of the best finishers ever. And it's like most of his goals are not rockets. You know, it's like boop, there it is. I mean, even Ronaldo, like he you can look at like sort of like the early like ten step overs per dribble Ronaldo, he was smash every ball he hit. And then as he got older, he started just sticking him in the corner here and there. And it's like boop, boop. That does sound like him. That does sound like the trademark Ronaldo goal sound effect. (laughs) That's actually, that's not true. It's actually the police academy guy. He does that. (laughs) Oh, nice callback, Jeff. Nice (laughs) callback. (laughs) Who is your favorite finisher of all time? (laughs) Um, Feels like you're trying to set me up for a stupid (laughs) joke, and I'm not going to take the bait. Um, I wanted you to do that. That's a good good read. Someone from Mortal Kombat. (laughs) <laughs> yeah Raiden I'd say no um, <laughs> porn I, I star know. Nick Manning <laughs> the truth is like most there's really not that many good finishers like everybody's kind of an average finisher statistically like I can't think of anybody that jumps out at me like probably Messi I was thinking some of the Italian guys from like the late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. like your Inzaghi's your Batistuta I know he was Argentinian but he played in Italy but like those kind of guys where, like, mm. I actually don't know if they're – I'm speaking at a school here. I don't know if it was, like, all, like, physical gifts where they're just, like, sprinting past the last line and tapping the ball. And I feel like a lot of it was, like, the the mental aspect of mm. knowing where to be and being able to body up against a defender. And, like, you know those strikers that will just do those, like, evil little things to, like, get into your head as a defender? And that's how they make chances for themselves is by, like, just right. being a nemesis. There's some art to that. For sure. That like, like yeah, yeah. Honestly, I love Berbatov. Berbatov is one of my favorite players, even though he it, he was clearly not a great fit for like a more dynamic uh, attacking front three. Yeah, uh, and like probably wouldn't fit into the team now because he just sort of was like slow and chill and a little lackadaisical. But like the man had like like a Zlatan esque ability to make some art out of nothing. Like, do you remember that? Uh, Burba spin he did where the ball was headed like out for a goal kick and he pirouettes on it and like passes it to himself down the line towards the goal and then he's able to basically yeah. like just dribble in like why don't they always do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be a good idea all right uh we so after you have your visit to uh 
Tomoyze, we have a visit to Villa Park. And while we did beat Villa in that comeback win a few weeks ago, I think visiting them will be a different proposition entirely. Head, headed out to Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, I'd be happy with the draw. They momentum, but they're definitely like, I don't know. They're, they're still dangerous. They still have really good players like that can just turn it on. Uh, they have a better midfield than us. So, like, it does make me nervous. If we can get a draw there, like, a, a draw is not going to look good uh, every week when you see somebody else jump over you that got three points. But, like, that's one of those match. That may be one of our harder matches in the next month or two that Martinez is gone. Yeah. So, like, I, th- I we're hoping for Martinez back by the time we play you guys towards the end of the season. So... Uh, this is going to be a tough match. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it. Um, yeah. After after the Klopp news, Jeff, uh, Xavi, uh, Barcelona, Barcelona ledge, Xavi uh, said he's stepping down. I don't know why. It looked like he's still doing all right. Xavi? Xavi. Z- I'm, I'm sorry, I don't speak other languages. Um, okay. But then, because... He announced that he was leaving end of the season. All of a sudden, uh, you started seeing links for Mikel Arteta to Barcelona. Did you see those links, Jeff? If so, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Yeah. Tell us where you are. I just think the chemistry that Mikel Arteta has with this team's wives is something that <laughs> no, I think... He's I don't married know. I, to he's married to a system. <laughs> yeah. No, I I I think he's pretty bedded down right now. And I also like <laughs> is another sorry, joke. I didn't even uh I think no, I think he really is like settled in at Arsenal. Um he's settled down with all these wives. No. I think he is not going anywhere. I also like he's from like he was in Barca's academy, but I don't think he's one of those like Barca DNA guys. Like when people take like sesk off of us or when they were trying to get bayarine for a while and it's like it's a guy who was playing at barcelona until he's 17 and now he's 23 or 24 or something i get that but like i don't i don't know like i don't he michael is a 41 year old man is he really that sentimental about a team where he didn't make the grade like can, can i propose a different way to think about it yeah i think arteta could you know stay at arsenal for either the rest of his career or for like a big chunk of years, like whatever is more than you would expect from most managers these days. I'm not saying he's a Barca DNA guy, but he is a Pep Guardiola-ist, mm. right? Like he's kind of like Pep light in a, in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, yeah. I wonder if that just means that there's a limited number of people Barcelona would consider. Yeah. And if he's on that list of limited people Barcelona would consider, then it's, well, we'll sell off uh, part of our academy to Spotify if it means that, like, we can have the money to bring in, like, a manager that will complement what we've got and sort of the way we do things here. And, like, unless you think he couldn't handle the Barca gig, because, like, Xavi did it with, like, less experience. Xavi did it coming out of the Saudi league. Yeah, true. I mean, it, there's a weird thing in that league where it's like, I think it it lends itself well to coaching frauds like Zidane and where what, it's like La Liga. Yeah, where, because I think there it's just it's 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 not as hard as the Premier League. It just isn't. You know, the Premier League there's so many teams that are like kind of annoyingly good. Like there there isn't any you know 
Gerona, or I don't know how you say it, Gerona. You know, there isn't, <laughs> like, there's not, there's not a team like that. Even, like, I don't know, maybe there's Luton this year. But, like, there's just not as many easy wins as they have. And so there are guys that go there and they're successful because they just have these incredible, you know, it's like you get to be a Man City in a league that doesn't have any other Man Cities. It doesn't right. even have, you know, the rest of the top six. But I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I wonder what, like, Arteta's actual career end goal is. Like, is probably, it, probably is, best is manager in the world. Level? You know what I mean? Like, is, is his goal just to be as good as he can be at a top club in the Premier League? Because it's kind of hard to argue. With, like, this is the top league, but I don't know. I mean, he has, he does have PSG DNA as well. Played for PSG back before their PSG. They don't see have they don't have DNA, man. You know that I mean, they don't they don't have a singular thought process that they've they ever were, had. A test tube team. Um, but you, do you yeah, think he? Know. Do you think he at any point will leave Arsenal to go to Barcelona? Ooh, it could it could happen. I mean, it's a, it's a great gig. Maybe it's arguably the best gig. But well, it's, it sounds like if it doesn't happen this summer, you might be good for a few years, right? Like, is, this is just like the moment of opportunity. So, like, okay. if they if they if they replace Xavi with someone else, uh, then I don't know if anyone else is necessarily going to come steal Arteta without there being sort of more of a longer brewing story. Because this that yeah. came kind of out of nowhere, right? Like him stepping down, and then maybe Arteta's the replacement. Like the newspaper just speculates. The journalists they have to guess. Well. Barcelona sure. needs someone. Who's it going to be? Yeah. Um, he's an obvious choice for that. But I don't think he's really interested right now. But I wouldn't count him out for life by any means. Right. Would you mind if we played uh, one really quick game <laughs> where yeah. you just name United players and I tell you if I think Ineos is going to sell them or not? Uh, yeah. Let me just pull up that roster real quick. You, it doesn't have to be the whole roster. It can just be top, top of your dome names. Rashford. Rashford, I think that they won't sell him, but I think that they should. Because I think if he's if he's you know gets back to his scoring ways for the rest of the season, that's still a massive contract. And and I think they want to get like younger and leaner with it. And if mm. if the bet the best uh, way to play might be Garnacho on the left and a new right winger on the right instead of sticking Garnacho on the right and just assuming he'll score from wherever. So I mm. think they should sell Rashford. That would be let's say they sold him for sixty five million. He's a homegrown player that we never paid for. So that's sixty five million that like bails our ass out for FFP right away. Yeah. Like we we could make transfers in. Oh, we could we could probably spend two hundred million based on sixty million coming in in one year. That's pure profit. It's weird. I get how that would be like the sort of base rate that you'd peg him at, but who's paying that for him now? PSG. Yeah, that would be the um, guess. Is you lose Mbappe, you need a, a big sports washing icon, and he was like Mister <laughs> Feed the Children. So like, you guys could make some Saudi money on some players if they were willing to go. Is like Casemiro you know, from United. Yeah. I was gonna say Casemiro is another one. Ineos or Audios. I think I think you've got to move on some of these players that are only gonna decline more and need replacement immediately anyway. It's like if they're smart. Anthony. I mean, if they're smart, they're figuring out ways to to get some money back because if they sell Anthony right now, a year, sorry, two years into his deal, that means that. 
let's say 10 million each from his fee has been e- eaten by amortization, right? So like yeah. financial fair play, it's about uh, I think I think you get to like say the money coming in counts for X, but then when you buy a player, you spread it out over the life of the contract. So you're saying that they yeah yeah only counting everybody signed in nine year deals exactly and and even though that they're putting rules on that to make it like a little less uh insane to 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 avoid the rules uh you're still gonna have to do that sooner or later so like it they have to find a way to get rid of players they spent way too much on but most teams that want them aren't gonna pay half of what they cost so like I think that means you've got to sell a McTominay, which would be pure profit, a Rashford, which would be pure profit. If you can sell Greenwood, Martial. that's pure Greenwood's pure profit. Martial's out of contract. Uh, Sancho and Anthony, we would have a massive loss on selling either of them. So you kind of got to make other sales to compensate. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming the players that we mentioned as the future of the club earlier, you're hanging on to. Yeah, gotta gotta hang on to them because they're cheap. They're cheap. They're signed to friendly team friendly contracts. Um, I'll save you some time. I think they also should mount. uh, Mount. We haven't even seen him play, so you kind of can't sell him because no one will pay for someone who didn't play for a whole season. Saudi money, baby. Yeah, but and then does he want to go there? Probably not. Jordan Henderson didn't like it, so why would he? Um, (laughs) And then like probably get rid of Maguire. Like like yeah. You, you, they need to rebuild the back. They need to rebuild the midfield. They need a backup Sandra? striker. Like, I mean, he's he's staying because he's good. Um, he's all the time. But but we're better with him than without him. How old him. is Fernandez? Bruno's twenty eight, twenty nine. So like, I think it's probably mm. twenty nine, thirty even. So uh, an offer came in for him in the summer uh, for Saudi money, and I think we rejected it. But like, maybe you start thinking about doing what Klopp did at Liverpool and just completely reimagine the midfield as something that's a little more balanced because yeah. what you'd want is someone that can generate chances without giving the ball away 40 times a game like you want more de bruyne than de bruno yeah he he's honestly one of the only guys that we've mentioned so far where i was actually sort of on the fence like all the other ones seem sort of obvious like stay or go um did we say Varane? Uh, Varane, I think you keep for one more year. Uh, this isn't my idea. I've heard it from other podcasts, but like you bring in a center back that's his understudy, and you've got the option to trot Varane out if he's healthy and it's a big match, and you've got yeah. the option to let someone younger sort of blood themselves in over a number of months, and then at the end of the year, I think Varane's contract would be over, and then he would probably go to Saudi Arabia or wherever he's going to go, MLS, who knows, uh, for cheap. Not for cheap, sorry, for for like he'd get a free agent deal. So he'd he'd probably do that uh at his age. I mean that's probably enough. I didn't mean Malacia? to make you who? Malasia? He ha- Malasia hasn't played pretty much all season, but in my EA Sports uh twenty four game, EFC, EAFC twenty four, he goes to Arsenal and becomes their starting left back. Oh wow. Wow. So if you want an injured left back of the future <laughs> We have an injured left back of the present, my friend. <laughs> don't, don't we all? We have multiples. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything else you want to cover before uh, we uh, we hit the dusty trail, my good friend? Um, I think that's good. We can start planning this freaking trip, man. Start thinking about all the Indian food and uh, pub comedy we're going to be oh, going yeah. to. Hell yeah. Good stuff, man. 
All right, congratulations on your uh, beating the Wicked Witch. Thank you. I hope that you enjoyed the one game a year that you can root for Arsenal, guilt free. I I also could probably root for you in the in the opposite fixture. True. Yeah, we've played them three times this year. Cool. <laughs> Later, bud. Later. Meet the sun.